0: All right, can you hear me okay? Is that coming through? (laughs) All right, so today is Father's Day, as Jesse just said, and um, this morning I'm going to take some time to talk about some of the important things that fathers are called to do, and now, I understand, like a lot of times I don't necessarily just preach to one demographic of somebody in the church, but today I, I really felt just very impressed that, that I needed to speak to all of us who are fathers, all of you who one day may be a father, any of you women who want to marry a father, you know, anything like that. So, <laughs> but, but, but you know, this this definitely applies to everyone. And the title of today's message is, The Way of the Fathers, or The Way of Fathers. Now I'm a dad joke person now, and so I, uh, so you know, so so you know, the, the new Avatar movie is the Way of Water, right? And I thought, man, and and I say what you want about it, I thought it was a fantastic movie, and it has so much. It, it really pushes the importance of fathers. Now I'm not going to preach about the movie, but it's just I, it was one of the things I loved about it, and I thought, man, like the way of fathers, like and so so this is something for us to begin to think about. And to begin to realize that, oh man, now maybe you're at this point in your life, you're going, some of the things that I'm going to talk about today, you're going, I never even knew that that was something I was supposed to do, and I haven't ever done that. Well, start doing it now. It doesn't matter. It's never the wrong time to start doing the right thing. Ever. Right? So, I also understand that for some of us, with Father's Day... It could be a difficult day. Because depending on the way that, that that we were raised, we may have some real struggles with our fathers, with our earthly fathers. But just because we might have that, it doesn't mean that it's not important. And it's not, it doesn't mean that, that it's not worth learning and understanding. Did you realize that our each one of us, our initial understanding and belief of who God is is filtered through the way that our earthly father was. I'm serious. Like that, that is a study that they've shown that people's perception of God is directly related to their experience with their earthly fathers. And so the reality is is that if you had a father who is absent or distant, then you probably have a hard time believing that God is near and close. If you had a father who was very harsh, very demanding, then chances are good that you probably, at least initially, believe that God is very harsh or demanding. If you had a good experience with your father growing up, then typically you don't have as hard of a time believing that God loves me for who I am. But but think about this for a moment, because this is something that if we realize and go, oh my gosh, that, that is the way that I immediately thought about God whenever I began to learn about God, was directly correlated to the way that my father was to me. It is no surprise to me at all that the enemy attacks fathers so hard. Because as he attacks these fathers, as he does this stuff, he knows that he is creating a, he's creating a thought process inside of each one of us that if we can begin to think of God the way that we think negatively about our fathers, then it's going to end up ruining our relationship with God. So the enemy is just fighting that constantly, constantly, constantly. You see, because of these filters, It is so important for us to understand that the enemy, the devil, he wants nothing more than to destroy fathers. Because I believe that if the enemy can destroy the earthly father, he destroys the family. And if he destroys the family, he can destroy societies. And if he destroys societies, then nations fall into chaos. We need... Fathers. We need fathers. I don't care if you're an earthly father. If you're going, man, you know what? I've I've never had kids. I've never been able to have kids. It just never worked out for me that way. That does not mean that you cannot take on a father figure role towards someone else. Because the world needs fathers more than they ever have before. Ever. Guys... Men, we need to be who God has called us to be so that those who come after us have a better understanding of who God is. Now, I understand you know, like all this kind of like, yeah, all right, yeah, that sounds pretty good. But I want to focus on three things today that I believe that we need to understand in order to actually become better fathers. Once we know these principles... I really believe that it will help us be on the lookout, and it will help us understand what it means to be fathers to the fatherless. The first thing, as we're doing this, is that we actually have to realize that God is our Father, okay? And He's not just some distant force off in the universe somewhere, but God actually wants to be our Father, And he wants to have a loving relationship with us as a father has with a child. In Galatians chapter 4, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. From this scripture, we can see we we weren't afterthoughts. We weren't just, you know, oh, God's like, well, man, they blew that. All right, what can I do now? I guess. We weren't afterthoughts. The Bible tells us that before the foundation of the earth the Lamb of God was already slain. And God knew that I'm going to grab hold of, I need to make sure that they understand that they are my children and I'm going to be their loving father. I'm going to create a way that it's not just me and them, but it's they are mine. And that's what he did through Jesus. So, Before I get into our three points this morning, I want to tell you something that I really, I don't know, maybe I've known this for a long time, but it kind of just really hit home again this week. And that is that fathers are shepherds. So big picture, if you're thinking about it, what does a shepherd do? They lead. They lead sheep, right? So a father must lead. So practically, with the shepherd in mind, how do fathers lead? Well, I believe the answer to that is in Psalm 23. We're going to read the whole chapter here. It's only six verses. Don't worry. It's not long. (laughs) And it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So point number one this morning about a father, a father provides. This is who God has created us to be. A father provides. In verses 1 through 3, they're out of Psalm 23. We're going to read these again. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. You see, fathers provide what is needed for their children. It says there, you know, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Oftentimes, the way that that's worded, we can sit there and think, "You better lie down." That's not what it is. It's this reality that he just the shepherd leads them to a green pasture, and he keeps them there so that they can be fed and nourished. Now, as a father, there will be moments with your children that you you need to lie down, but you know. But the whole reality is, is that we are, we are being able to lead our kids to a place where they can grow and be nourished. I love that it says he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. Oftentimes, we, we can sit there and think about, man, I, I don't like the still waters. Still waters are often Deep. And some of us don't really want to go deep. We'd rather have the adventure of the shallow than the growth with depth. Because that growing in the depth isn't as exciting as the adventure in the shallow. I mean, if I'm going to go on the river in Durango, I would rather do smelter three or four times than I would do right up north of town behind, you know, Dalton Ranch where you're going... I went a quarter of a mile in four and a half hours. Awesome. Done that. Not fun. (laughs) Like, and now I'm stuck because it's all private property. I can't go anywhere. And the wind's blowing you back upstream, you know, and it's just. (laughs) But a father leads us by those still waters to help us grow. Almost in a sense to force, not in a negative connotation, but in a you need to rest so that you can grow and become restored. We have to learn how to rest in the depths of who God has called us to be. And we have to learn how to rest in the depth of who God is so that we can begin to know Him more. As fathers, we also provide the understanding of what is right. So that our children can follow him with their lives. It says right there at the end of verse 3. It says, you know, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Our job as fathers is to teach our children to walk righteously according to the word of God. Not for my sake, but for the name of God's sake. Because of who he is. Because of how much he loves us. So point number one this morning was a father provides. Second is... A father protects. A father protects. This is our job. And in verses 4 and 5, they're out of Psalm 23. It says this. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You see, These couple verses actually show us how to protect our kids. It says there that your rod and your staff they comfort me. The rod was used for protection against wild animals and anybody who would come to try to steal the sheep. It symbolizes authority. The staff is used for saving and for guiding. The shepherd's staff is not used to beat the animal. See, some people think that like, the rod and the staff are the one and the same. They're not. Because animals are at least smart enough to understand that if you're trying to save me with the same stick that you're beating me with, I'm not going to be very trusting of you. So they had a rod in which was to protect them, and then they had a staff which was to lead and guide them and save them. Usually the staff had a crook on the end So that when a sheep was somewhere that it wasn't supposed to be, the shepherd could actually reach in there, use the crook, and pull it back where it needed to go. As fathers, we should be able to prepare a table for our children, even in the midst of the enemy. I love that. I mean, because he's talking about God. He says, God, you're, you're preparing a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. And we are there for the protection of our families, for the protection of our children, so that they can feast and celebrate even when everything in the world seems terrifying. That's part of our job. Part of our job as men, as fathers, is to say, I know all this is going on, but I'm going to stand guard so that you don't have to worry about this in this moment. That's who we are. That's what God does for us. We are there for our kids' protection. So that they can feast and celebrate even when everything seems terrifying. The last part of verse 5 where it says that you anoint my head with oil. It's very interesting because we can over-spiritualize it, especially in America, because we don't really understand the wave of the shepherd <laughs> we just don't and we think oh yeah anointing oil you know yeah I've, I've had that at church I think there's a jar up here somewhere you know where somebody prays over me and anoints my head with oil but in a very practical sense they would actually anoint sheep's heads with oil the shepherd would for a variety of causes. One of them was to actually they would anoint the ram's head so that during rut the the rams would slide off of each other rather than just beat the tar out of one another. But then this part that I, I, I found on a Shepherd website, there's apparently such a thing, so I guess they have Wi Fi out in the woods. I don't know, but um But it says this it says In the summertime, flies bother sheep. And the worst are nose flies, which buzz around a sheep's head, trying to lay eggs in the sheep's nose. The hovering flies can cause sheep to panic and to run wildly. This sort of activity can ruin their meat and milk and may result in injury or death. If the fly is successful, then in a few days, larva will hatch and burrow itself into the soft flesh of the sheep's nasal passages, and this causes irritation, inflammation, and infection. The pain will cause the sheep to rub its head on the ground thrash through underbrush and even bang its head on tree trunks attempting to get rid of the intruders. In several cases, a sheep may kill itself trying to get away from the pain. If the sheep manages to survive, the infection caused by the larva can cause it to go blind. Because of the seriousness of the problem caused by nose flies, shepherds must be extremely attentive. And in biblical times, they would watch for the first indication of those nose flies and then they would pour oil over the sheep's head to keep those things from coming into their nose. Now we know in Scripture that the oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. If we're just thinking about it, I mean, not, not our own kids, think about other people's kids for a second, all right? You know, but how many of other people's kids do we know that have, metaphorically speaking, Nose flies that are causing them to think the thoughts that aren't there. That are causing them to be irrational. That are causing them to go crazy in the world today. So our job as fathers, as part of this protection. My question to you is, are we praying for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be over every one of our children every day? Are we making sure that we are covering them with the oil of who he is? So that we are providing a safe place. And we are protecting the minds of our children as they grow. Come on. It is our job to make sure that we are praying over our children. It is our job that we are anointing them whether it's literal or metaphorically, it doesn't matter. But we are anointing them with who the Holy Spirit is and saying, no, I am believing God and I'm gonna plead the blood of Jesus over them so that these thoughts and these schemes of the enemy do not take over their minds. This is our responsibility. Point number three this morning is a father or a father loves. So a father provides, a father protects, and a father loves. There in verse 6 it says this. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That first line there where it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. In the English it's kind of a poor translation. you know. And I know I've told you guys before, English is just not a very descriptive language. Unless you're around a sailor and then you can use words for anything. But other than that, you know, English is not a very descriptive language when it comes to Hebrew and the way that the meaning of words. And a better translation there where it says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life rather than follow me, the actual Hebrew word there, it's not just to follow behind like we think of. The actual Hebrew there, it's a word that means to pursue. And keep chasing after. In other translations, even where it says mercy, it actually says, surely goodness and your tender love shall follow me, shall pursue me, shall come after me and never stop all the days of my life. Now, when we understand that that's the way that God sees us, and and as David wrote this psalm, he said, God, this is who you are. And God's saying, yeah, now I want you to be an example of a father that you see in me to your kids. Then our responsibility is to be that a father loves. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. As a father, are we pursuing our children with love in everything that we do? I know sometimes I pursue my children with nagging. But am I always pursuing them with love? You see, God's tender love for us, his goodness and mercy, the shepherd's love. And Jesus calls himself the good shepherd in John chapter 10. it comes after us and it chases us. And we even see the example of this where Jesus talked about it in in that story of the prodigal son that probably most of us know. But what was the father doing? After his son had gone away, we can see from scripture that the father was constantly looking and pursuing and keeping an eye out for him. And the moment he saw his son from afar off, the father ran to meet him. The father pursued him out of love. That is the way that God loves us and that's the way that as fathers we are supposed to be loving our children. The father in that story, he lived out Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me, will chase me down. All the days of my life. Yeah. Especially when that son didn't feel like he deserved it. And by all accounts, he didn't. But isn't that great? Because it's not about how much we deserve something. Right. It's about the father's love. Not about our deserve, deservingness of it. One last thing as we finish this morning. If we aren't, well, we have to be careful not to make it sound like, this is really easy, just A, B, C, and D, and you're going to have the best kids ever. (laughs) Follow me for more tips on Instagram, right? I mean, none of that, right? (laughs) Because the truth is, is that it's very simple, but it's not very easy. And I want to encourage all of us dads this morning. You're going to screw up. All right, yeah. Because we all do. But when you do, be quick to own it. Be quick to repent. Ask your kids to forgive you. Ask God to forgive you. Earlier this week, my son's been in this stage where he's just so much like his mom. No, I'm just kidding. It's a, no, it's a, no, my, my son's been in the stage where he's just so much like me in the, in the way that he does things. And I'm sitting there at breakfast the other morning, and I'm going, Lord, have mercy. Help me, help me, help me. And I got so frustrated with him because I'm sitting there looking at him going, everything he does reminds me of me. And I'm like, oh. And I got so frustrated, and I raised my voice at him. And he kind of started crying and he started eating. And God said, seriously? And I'm like, dang it. So I looked at him, I said, Nash, man. I said, I'm so sorry. I should not have gotten upset. Would you please forgive me? Dad messed up. And he just looks up and he has big old crocodile tears. And he goes, I forgive you, daddy, and I love you and And there's these there's these moments where we're going to mess up as dads. And if that's the worst mistake I made this year, Hallelujah, even this week, Hallelujah, right But in those moments, be quick to repent. We always want everybody else to repent to us for everything that they've wronged us with. How about us? Lead lead by example because it's time for us as men, as dads, to become the leaders that God has called us to be. We need to turn to the good shepherd, to Jesus, and we need to learn from him again and be the kind of dad that he has called us to be. Six verses, three points. If you're ever going, man, I don't know what I should do here. Read Psalm 23 and think about, as a shepherd in my family, how should I do this? We cannot help. We cannot help what was done to us in the past. We can't. We cannot change what we have done in the past but we can choose to be different from this moment going forward. Does that make sense this morning? Amen. Well, let's stand and we're going to pray and be dismissed. If you need prayer for anything today, we're going to have people down here at the front who would love to pray with you. Maybe it's in regard to the sermon. Maybe it's about something else entirely. That's fine. Don't ever leave church without asking somebody for prayer if you need prayer, okay? That is why we're here. Father, we love you. We thank you. God, you're so good to us. And I thank you for the examples all through scripture about teaching us as men how to lead well. And God, forgive us in those areas where we have not led well. And God, I ask that you would just, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let us be able to change those things even starting today. And help us walk into the grace, into everything that you have called us to walk into. Jesus, thank you for the example of being what a shepherd is supposed to be. God, we love you and we thank you. I ask that you would just bless every single father here, every family represented. God, I ask that there would just be safety and blessings over everything they do this week. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, you're dismissed. Have a wonderful week and uh, we will see you all next Sunday. begin to lift up your hallelujah. Raise it like a banner.